My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Monday the 14th of August. I'm Sam Kozlowski. I'm Zara Seidler. It's been an emotional, overwhelming, magnificent couple of weeks of football. From lifelong fans like myself to people who are coming to football and even sport for the very first time, Australia has backed the Matildas. But it's been a long road to get to this point. From the first time the Tillies played in a World Cup... I wrote the letter to every player to say, congratulations, you've been selected to play in this team for this tournament. And by the way, it will cost you $850. To when the team started to get mass support, You know, I had to actually explain what a Matilda was in in 2006. It wasn't the case after we come back from China. In today's deep dive, we're going to hear from people who have contributed to making the Matildas what they are today. But first, Sam, tell us about Saturday night. Zara, it was quite simply one of the best nights in Australian sporting history. The Matildas beat France, of course, in a chaotic quarterfinal that led to 20 shots in a penalty shootout. It was Quite incredible to watch. At least 4.17 million Australians tuned in for the match. It's assumed that the actual total is much, much greater than that. It sets up a salivating Wednesday night clash against England in the semi-final at Stadium Australia. And I think it's going to be all that Australia can talk about this week. Disney Plus will begin a crackdown on password sharing following a similar move by Netflix. Disney's CEO says a significant number of users are sharing passwords with other people. It's expected to start taking effect next year. An Uber Eats bicycle delivery driver has died in Sydney after colliding with a ute in the second such incident in the city in the last month. The Transport Workers Union of Australia has called for urgent reforms that protect delivery drivers at work, which would include provisions for workers' compensation and the setting of a minimum wage for the industry. It was the 13th known transport gig worker to have died on the road since 2017. And the good news. US scientists have discovered a new form of plastic upcycling. The Virginia Tech researchers found a way to turn plastics into the chemicals that are used to create soap or detergent. They hope it can be a good start to countering plastic pollution. This Women's World Cup will go down in Australian history. That's regardless of who wins the title next weekend. There's been this huge demonstration of support for the Matildas and not just from lifelong fans, and I'd count myself in that bucket, but also from people getting into sport for the very first time. We asked the TDA community if anyone had personally experienced this and we got this message from Ashley. Yes, oh my gosh, I fell in love with their documentary and I've watched every World Cup game since. I've never before watched a full game of sport in my entire life. So I really wanted to go back and try and pinpoint where everything started for the Matildas. And the person to have that chat with was Heather Reid. She's a pioneer of women's football in Australia. She was the executive director of the Australian Women's Soccer Association even before the Matildas were called the Matildas. 
There was all sorts of <laughs> names for the team. There was the Soccer Twos, as in women play Soccer Two, and a bit of a spin on the Socceroos. There was the Soccerettes, the Soccer Bells. And so before the Matildas went to their first World Cup, there was a competition on the SBS TV network, the Special Broadcasting Service network. And the competition sort of asked people to provide a nickname for the Matildas. And the Matildas, the name, was the one that came out of the hat. And it was Sharon Young. Sharon debuted for the Matildas in 1991. From New South Wales, who put forward the name, having been inspired by the Commonwealth Games that had previously been held in Australia and this massive mascot, this mobile mascot of a, of a kangaroo that was called Matilda. And in fact, Matilda now rests peacefully up beside uh, a service station near Gympie, wow. of all places. She's, she's still there, but Sharon was inspired by Matilda. And I think it's actually the most popular and the most worthy nickname of all of the sporting teams. The Women's World Cup didn't even exist before 1988 when FIFA decided to give it a go. It was affectionately called the Pilot World Cup as hmm. FIFA was sort of testing the waters to see if, if women were ready for this big event in their own right. So we were one of 12 teams that were invited. And there we were in this huge stadium with a huge crowd. And we scored the first goal in a FIFA World Tournament. And that was a goal by Janine Riddington, who received the ball almost just inside the Brazilian half. She saw the goalkeeper off her line and she just sent this massive big chip towards the goal. And that was it. We just went crazy. So Rido can claim to have the first goal in a FIFA tournament in 1988. And how was the team funded in those days? They paid themselves. I wrote the letter to every player to say, congratulations, you've been selected to play in this team for this tournament. Here are the details for when we're leaving and where we're staying and when we're coming back. And by the way, it will cost you $850. Do you remember how any of the players funded their trips? Lots of different ways. The old Lamington Drive, the little (laughs) cakes that people would sell. They would sell chocolates. There was a rather inventive approach of rattling the can as the traffic came to traffic lights and they'd go up to the cars and try and get donations, you know, for, for their trip away. When we interviewed some of the New Zealand players about their fundraising, because they had to pay to play as well in the early years, mm. they mentioned that they would go into pubs and, and you know, try and raise money by throwing the can around to collect money that way. And one guy actually called out and said, 20 cents a kiss. I'll give you 20 cents for a kiss. And, you know, that was just like, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a different way of thinking. And today, of course, we would see it as a form of harassment or, yeah. you know, just shameful way to have to actually collect money to represent your country. So thank goodness we've come a long way. We've got strong corporate support. We've got great government support. And, of course, you know, the community support is just out of this world. Last question from me. Take me 10 years into the future. What do you want the women's game to look like in the next decade? I want us to carry on from where we are now, where it's football. It's not women's football. It's not girls playing football. It's football. So more women in leadership, more women in coaching, thousands and tens of thousands of more women and girls playing and much more increased visibility, if that's possible, given what we've just been through in the last few weeks. The visibility and the fact that you can see it on so many platforms, you can almost feel it, you can hear it, you know, that's what's changed significantly, especially from when I was at that Pilot World Cup in 88 and I was scrambling to get some pennies together to buy the highlight videotapes of our games. 
and to bring those videotapes back to then share with networks and share with our football community. You know, talking about yeah, VHS. Yeah videotapes compared to now where you just log on and you've got it all at your fingertips. Well, if that example does not encapsulate the paradigm shift that we've experienced since 1988, I don't know what else can. Heather, thank you so much for joining us on The Daily Oz this morning. My pleasure and privilege. Thank you. Go the Matildas. (laughs) So Heather's been there right from the beginning of the Matildas journey, but I also then wanted to talk to somebody who understands where the Matildas are today and where they could be in the decades to come. So I had a chat to Sarah Walsh. She's a former Matilda herself, but she's also the current head of women's football at Football Australia. I think people understand the significance of this moment. We've been able to capture the attention and, and you know, inspire, uh, or capture the hearts and minds of everyday Australians that are not even to sport. Um, and, you know, I knew there was always a market out there, particularly for women who understand the importance of sport leading this cultural and social change that's happening. And particularly, you know, one of our biggest sports in Australia, uh, one of our uh, richest, you know, with the highest revenue generated is AFL. And yet they've been taken off the main channel throughout their season to, to and, and also the news, sorry, to be pushed back is something that I just never thought would I would see. And, you know, not, not only are we, are we beating the metrics of some of the biggest matches, AFL, NRL matches to have ever uh, taken place, we've got one of our biggest broadcast networks making commercial decisions. You know, they don't take these lightly. I chatted to Heather Reid this morning uh, and was talking to her about her experience at the first Women's World Cup, which was actually the Pilot World Cup, and she was saying that she had to raise money to bring back a VHS tape (laughs) of highlights to then go and tell commercial networks, please watch this and, and perhaps put it in some of the broadcast. And to now think the nightly news is being moved for football is, is pretty remarkable in not that long of a period of time. Yeah. And you played in the World Cup in 2007. What differences have you noticed between 2007 and 2023? A lot of differences. I mean, that 2007 for me, when I look at the history of the Matildas and um, I obviously had the kind of intimate knowledge of being there, 2007 for me was when we started to, to generate some awareness around the Matildas as a team. I mean, I, there was a real distinct difference from, from my personal experience pre-2007 World Cup and then post. You know, I had to actually explain what a Matilda was in, in 2006. It wasn't the case after we come back from China. And, you know, there's been these moments uh, along the way where we've seen incremental change, but what we're seeing right now is you know, significant change. And it, it hasn't just happened because we've we've hosted a Women's World Cup. You know, we've, for the first time as an organisation, really been deliberate with this team. I mean, we won the rights to host back in 2020 and we made a distinct, you know, decision to reshape the business to make sure that we were going to set this team up for success on the pitch and off the pitch. And, you know, that's just not talk. We had 50-50 on our, on our board, so we had women making decisions. I was brought in with a team to be able to drive accountability and, and strategy across the business, working with the CEO. We invested heavily. You know, on the pitch that we reached equal pay and also given them all the tools that they need off the pitch. So they've, they've got the same support conditions in the Socceroos. And actually, I wouldn't say that we treat them the same. We've got a parental policy that yeah. suits the needs of one of our best players, Katrina Gori. And, 
that builds a, a really fantastic culture and environment that they can perform. And it's been a really, you know, big piece of work over the last three years and we're starting to see the results. Sarah, thanks so much for joining us on the pod this morning. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Well, it's been a stunningly long journey for the Matildas to get to where they are today. And with the momentum from this World Cup and just how it feels to be in the country at the moment, it does feel like we're on the edge of the beginning of a new chapter in that journey. If you want to know about the team's current push for equal prize money with the men's team, there's a link to an episode we've done before in the show notes. And that's a bit of a deeper dive into that topic. As always, thanks for listening and for your ongoing support and have a great start to your week. 